Good evening and welcome to another episode of Audie's Oddities. As always, my name is Audie and I'm here to tell you about the spooky shit happening in our world. It is actually my birthday today, you guys. If you are listening to this the day that it comes out, Monday, August 21st, it's actually my 23rd birthday. And because it's my birthday, I wanted to pick a case that absolutely fascinates me that I cannot wait to share with you guys. And that is why today we are going to be talking about the three missing lighthouse keepers from Flannan Isles off of Scotland. This is one of those cases that I feel like I've heard about for a long time, but I didn't fully know until I took a deep dive into it, which is why today I wanted to tell you guys about it, because this shit's crazy. So the Flannan Isles is seven islands off of the coast of Scotland. It's a big sheep place, like a big shepherding place, apparently. Apparently the specific isles that we're talking about were covered in greenery and plants that the animals enjoyed. So some shepherds would take over their flock to these islands for them to graze on. And with that came a lot of cursed stories and energy from these islands. The most common being if a shepherd had a sheep pass away or get sick on the island, from grazing on the grass, either it would return in full health or the sheep would pass but give birth to twins. That one I don't really understand. I'm like, was it pregnant all along or is it just like, boom, babies? And there's a big legend of there being some kind of haunting spirit that walks on all the islands. And that's the main reason that nobody ever wants to stay the night on the islands. So everyone's like, yeah, go over there, bring your animals over there. It's great. But otherwise, like, don't don't spend the night there. Don't do a sleepover with the ghosts. That would be until 1899 when a lighthouse would go up on one of the main islands. Now, for this lighthouse, there are four men that are hired to constantly watch this lighthouse. These shifts consisted of six weeks straight of watching the lighthouse and then two weeks off. That way, there's always at least three men on the island at all times. Sorry, random note that we're coming in. My cats are in the room today. Normally, I lock them out of the room, but I'm I'm being nice, okay? I'm letting them in here. We're going to see how they behave, but if you hear a stray meow, just let it happen. So as I was saying, we're in mid-December of 1900, and there are three men on the island. Let's meet them all. So we have James Duquette, who's a 40-year-old man who's been lighthouse keeping for over 20 years. He's the principal keeper, aka like the manager, I feel like, like the main keeper that everybody has to go through, I guess. Then we have 36-year-old Donald MacArthur. His title was occasional keeper, meaning I guess he wasn't there all the time. Maybe he wasn't the main four and he was filling in for someone. Not sure. And then we meet 28-year-old Thomas Marshall, who was the second assistant keeper. I believe the first assistant keeper would be the man who's off the island currently on his two-week break. His name is Joseph Moore, and he's very important. We'll get back to him later. So it was December 15th, 1900, when the captain of a steamship passing by the lighthouse noticed that even in the bad weather, the lighthouse isn't on, and that's like its main point. I really don't think I need to go on a whole tangent about what lighthouses are for, but if you really don't know, it's to help the ships steer their way when the weather's really bad. So the captain of the ship makes a report to the lighthouse board. I want to know who's on this board. I want to know what happens in the board meetings. Is the board meetings just talking about when you have to change all the light bulbs or is it staffy? I want to know everything because I don't really care about boards, but you know what? A lighthouse board sounds kind of fun. We're going to jump to December 26th, which is 11 days after he noticed that the lighthouse wasn't working because he had to dock before he could tell the people. So it's been 11 days since he noticed that it wasn't working. 
So on December 26th, they send out a lighthouse tender boat. No, it's not tender like the app. It's like, I'm going to go tend to the lighthouse. I'm bringing you that big ass light bulb, you know? Also, I guess that the guys that were the lighthouse keepers didn't just take care of the lighthouse. They also probably took care of the rest of the island that it sat on. Even though there wasn't a lot on there to take care of, it more than likely was their job. So Joseph Moore, the guy who was the fourth lighthouse keeper that was just on his two-week break, he's on the tender boat to come back to investigate, basically, with them. I also assume that it was his two weeks up and it was time for him to go back to work. So as they're getting closer to the lighthouse, they notice that there's no flag up on the flagpole next to the lighthouse, which is really suspicious. So they try honking their horn to see if the lighthouse will light up and somebody will tell them, like, hey, we're fine, something like that. Absolutely nothing. So they decide to fire a flare and still no response. So now they're starting to get worried. So Joseph takes out, I guess, like a little dinghy personal boat and goes to the shore of the island. So he pulls up on the east dock and he says that everything looked just like it did when he left two weeks ago. Everything was still in its place. Nothing was out of the ordinary, including all three doors into the lighthouse all being shut. So that would have been like your main gate, the door to the actual lighthouse, and apparently there's a third door somewhere. He did note that the kitchen door was open, which was kind of weird. Everyone was pretty tidy about keeping stuff closed, but we'll get there. He looks into the fireplace in the kitchen and he notices that nothing's been lit for days. Not even a slightly warm ember. And we're talking about December in Scotland. It's cold as shit, you guys. He also notices that every single clock had been stopped on the same time. Like, what? And keep in mind, this is 1900. This isn't electrical clocks. These are all regular alarm clocks. AKA, there shouldn't be a reason for it to just stop randomly. And if there was, all of them wouldn't stop at that time. It's not like a power outage happens and they're just done. He says that everyone's beds were unmade and messy and it looks like when you roll out of bed and you just leave. You know, nobody came back to make the bed. And there wasn't a sign of any of the three men anywhere in the lighthouse. And keep in mind, it was a rule that even though all three of them were on the island, at least one had to be in the lighthouse at all times. So Joseph knew something was wrong. And what's even scarier is that the lighthouse itself turned on and worked no problem. So immediately Joseph goes back to the ship and tells them like, hey, we need to all get over there and start searching. While he's doing this, he also sends a telegram. So he sends this telegram to the lighthouse board that we talked about beforehand. This telegram says, and I quote, a dreadful accident has happened at the Flannans. The three keepers, Ducat, Marshall, and the Occasional, have disappeared from the island. The clocks were stopped and all signs indicate that the accident must have happened at least a week ago. Poor fellows, they must have been blown over the cliffs or drowned trying to secure a crane. End of telegram. So immediately Joseph is going to the most logical explanation. But when Joseph is left behind with three of the ship's men to watch over the lighthouse while they go and send this telegram to the board, they start noticing a couple suspicious things, as if the clocks weren't suspicious enough. So they end up staying the night at the lighthouse before they go out and search. I'm not sure if it was dark when they got there or what, but they went out the next day. Remember how I said that the boating dock that Joseph came up on was absolutely fine? Yeah, that was the east side boating dock. They walked to the west side boating dock, and it doesn't look so great. They said that the loading dock had a lot of damage to it, 
that a tackle box was missing and that ropes that were next to it were kind of like sprawled over the rocks. There was also an iron railing attached to the landing that pieces were just blown off and some of them were just gone, completely gone. But the strange thing about it is that all of this missing stuff was logged in the lighthouse log. So the three men knew about the missing stuff before they disappeared. Another strange thing is that there was this drop-off, okay? It's like 110 feet all the way down to the ocean. And connected to the railing was a life buoy, like a life preserver. Also, this is the first time researching that I found out that those are called life buoys and not life preservers, and I'm kind of pissed off about it. Like, you're going to tell me my whole life that Candy has lied to me? Great. Through further research, I found out that this life buoy, life preserver, was actually attached to the railings that had been torn off. So keep in mind, these railings that were torn off and some of them just missing are 110 feet above sea level. So the buoy was completely gone. I'm assuming it was attached to the railings that were missing, but where it would be attached to had been ripped off. And they said that it was ripped off in not a man-like way. It wasn't just chopped. It was deliberately ripped off rope. So now everyone is thinking maybe James is right. Maybe there was just this massive wave that came over and wiped out everything. I mean, that would explain the life preservers. It would explain the railings being missing, the tackle box being missing, things being messed up. And it would also explain why the men aren't there if they were just swept away at sea. And you're probably thinking, Audie, didn't you tell me that it's 110 feet up? Oh, yes, it is. The waves can just get that high. And the next time that somebody tells me that my, air quote, irrational fear of water is irrational, I'm going to bring up this point. This is why I don't go in the ocean. The ocean has shit that is crazy. Literally, it's like the mountain of Tafiti looked at these men and said, you, you're next. And we can prove that this could happen. Why? Because it did in 1950. At that same lighthouse, waves reached to the top of the lighthouse. Not even just the top of 110 feet where this landing was. To the top of the then 75-foot lighthouse. You can look up pictures of it. It's actually insane. It might be the one I post on my Instagram for this. Because this photographer almost died trying to get this photo. And this is going to be very niche. But if you have seen the new Jordan Peele movie, which love Jordan Peele. Oh my god. But if you've seen it, it's the new movie, Nope. It's about aliens. Some spoilers ahead. If you haven't seen it, just skip ahead like 30 seconds. But in the movie, there's a photographer who's trying so hard to take a picture of the alien that he ends up dying just to take a picture of it. And that's all I could think of when I read about this. That photographer really looked at that wave and he's like, man, what a beautiful shot. You know, it's kind of getting close. So Joseph and the three guys who are investigating the lighthouse are looking through stuff like the clothes and belongings of the three men to see if anything stands out. Because he also remembers what they were wearing when he left, so then it would maybe give them a better timeline of when they went missing. He does notice that Donald's coat is just left, and it was the only coat that this man had. Like I said, it's the middle of December, in the middle of the ocean, on an island, off of Scotland. It's fucking cold. You would not just be going outside without a coat on in this weather. Not even to mention that we're right next to the ocean, meaning you have that ocean wind and breeze, and some of the strongest winds in the world happen in Scotland already, so that's another factor. I can speak for myself, I'd say at least a handful of us have been outside when you're like, yeah, it's cold, 
but what really gets you cold is the fucking wind. That wind is bone chilling sometimes. Joseph also comes across a couple logs from the men inside the lighthouse. The last entry was dated on December 13th, but there's indicators that some were written on the 14th and 15th. And they even put on the 15th the time that the lighthouse was extinguished that morning. So we know for a fact that the morning of December 15th, they were there. And remember, December 15th is when the captain of the first ship originally noticed that the lighthouse wasn't working and then let them know 11 days later when he docked his ship. Now, looking through all the different logs, I keep wanting to say captain's logs, but they're not captains, they're just lighthouse keepers. Inside of the keeper's logs, there's nothing really strange mentioned. No people coming, no odd ships, nothing like that. Now, it did mention some bad storms, but nothing had been reported otherwise. There wasn't anything saying that a storm had taken something out or that it was to the severity that they were scared or anything like that. That is in their logs. However, they did discover that the 28-year-old Thomas had been keeping a journal. I was going to say diary, but I'll be nice. I'll say it's a journal. So in his personal logs in his journal, he claimed that there were storms that were so bad that all three men just began praying. And I don't know if you've ever been in the place of fear in your life when you just start praying, but I have witnessed it. Sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's scary. It depends on the circumstance. I say funny because the circumstance I'm thinking of was someone that I know getting on a roller coaster and literally praying while going up. And it was even funnier because they weren't religious at all. (laughs) So with that being said, I understand. Sometimes you just decide that that's your moment. (laughs) We all have a come to Jesus moment. Some people's are on a roller coaster. (laughs) Thomas also describes the other two men he was staying with. He says that James, the, you know, main person, main captain, main keeper, whatever. I keep wanting to say captain. Main keeper had apparently been very quiet the past couple days. He says, on the other hand, Donald had been crying multiple times. And I couldn't figure out why. He didn't write anywhere about anything. No idea. And the last thing written in his journal was, Storm ended. Sea calm. God is all over. And I think he meant all over like God is all over everything, not like God is over. So another thing to think about and mention is that whenever a lighthouse has something going wrong and they can't use their light, they have this long pole, okay? I just learned about this. They have this long pole that they like shoot out through the side of where the light of the lighthouse is, you know, right on top. And then they attach a rope and some kind of like ball or disc or something that's going to catch the eye so that it's like a universal signal that they need help and something's wrong. And it wasn't set up. So if they had a chance to say something was wrong, they would have put that thing up. And now we learn about Roderick McKenzie, aka possibly one of the laziest men I've ever heard of. Why is that? You'll see why. So Roderick owned a house about 18 miles away from the lighthouse, but it was on the coast so you could still see the lighthouse perfectly. So they paid this guy who just lived here to log everything from the mainland that's happening at the lighthouse. So if he saw the light go off, if he saw something suspicious, if he saw that the light didn't go off, something like that, so he could immediately report it. You know, since it takes a telegram probably 10 days to get to somebody, Roderick's on land, he can get there a lot faster. And like I said, he also kept a log to turn in to the lighthouse board. But all of a sudden, when they come to him and they're like, hey, dude, um, everyone in the lighthouse is fucking missing. It apparently had been off for like 10 days straight and you said nothing. What's going on? You're literally our failsafe. 
Roderick is just like, oh yeah, on December 7th, I noticed it go off and not turn back on until December 29th. December 29th. He claims that he couldn't see it because of bad weather for some of it, but sometimes he just didn't give a fuck. He also tells us that he saw the light come on on the 12th, but not again until the 26th, when Joseph went in and lit it. So obviously the board is like, dude, what the hell? And he's like, I don't know, man. I was definitely concerned for those two weeks, but I just didn't tell you. And I definitely didn't record it or do any ounce of my job for you. I just noticed it. What? What? Like, if this man was doing his job, maybe we would know what the hell happened to these people. And at one point, before they disappeared, James, the main lighthouse keeper, asked the board, like, hey, could we do a drill or something to prove how long it would actually take you guys to find out something was wrong? And they never did it. They figured out that it would take a very long time for somebody to notice. So now that we've talked about the facts of the case, let's start talking about what happened, possibly. So theory number one is the most logical and common theory, which is the men were just swept away, like we talked about earlier. So imagine if they were just swept or blown away into the ocean. Even just imagine one of them watched the tackle box get dragged away by the ocean. So they go in to get it and get dragged away themselves. One of the men throws the buoy to them and tells them, hold on, I'll go get, you know, whatever third guy is in the lighthouse runs back to the lighthouse, which would explain why Donald just left without his coat if he just ran out to go and help him. So when the two guys try to pull him in with the rope, they all three get dragged out and the rope snaps. So to be fair, that one does explain away everything, but it's not very fun. Theory number two is a little more fun to talk about, not fun to experience, but it's a possibility that these men could have just gone crazy. I mean, think about how isolated these people are. I know that I wouldn't want to be stuck on an island with two other people, sometimes three, but just constantly stuck. So if someone had a psychological breakdown or something wrong mentally, nobody would really be there to help them. And of course, this is 1900, so we weren't exactly great at helping mentally unstable people to begin with. But a theory that has circulated around is that what if one man went crazy and killed the two other men and then committed suicide afterwards? I also found one theory that two men got into a relationship while on the island because they were so isolated. Hey, I get it. It happens all the time. And there's a possibility that they broke up. There was bad blood, which then led to the foresaid situation. And then we have the theory that it is just supernatural. Now, whether that be that a spirit whisked them away to wherever they do, or if it meant that a phenomenon like the ocean literally eating them up like Atlantis... Or who knows, maybe aliens came down and abducted them and they're just gone. And that's why all the clocks stopped. Because that's the one thing that I've really been stuck on, is all of the clocks. Because all of these clocks were inside of the lighthouse. So if it was, say, water damage, everything else would have been wet too. Like the mattresses they were sleeping on and their clothes. But they weren't. So there's no way to say that water damage is the reason that these clocks don't work anymore. And then we go on to possibly my favorite theory, just because it's so fun to talk about, sirens. Now, I plan on doing a whole episode in the future about sirens, so we're just going to dabble in it right now. If you don't know, a siren is basically what mermaids came about from. A siren is almost like a demon that's half fish, half human. Really, I'll say 75% fish. It's like a fish with human-esque features. They're very similar to the mermaids in the original live-action Peter Pan, if you've ever seen that, when they try and take you into the water and take you away. 
that's a siren. We just looked at their mythology and decided to create a mermaid out of it at some point and then also decided that it's a great thing for kids to love. Now, don't get me wrong. I love me some mermaids, but we've already discussed I hate the ocean. So now sirens sing this kind of beautifully eerie song to lure in sailors from their ships so then the siren can drag down the ship. So all these stories like Bermuda Triangle or all these things going missing are sometimes tied into these sirens. So what if these lighthouse keepers were on the shore trying to put together their tackle box and whatnot, and they hear a sweet song, and they're slowly pulled out to sea by these mythical creatures? There's also a local legend in Scotland about when Joseph walked up to the lighthouse, there were three crows sitting right on top of the lighthouse that stayed there his entire walk up, right up until he opened the door, which then the three crows flew away. So the theory and the lore, legend, whatever you'd like to call it, is that possibly the three men were these crows coming back and watching their dear friend find them. Well, not find them, find the lack of them. And to this day, we still have no idea what happened to these men, and we probably never will. So let me know what you think. Do you think that their bodies were just swept away and they're at the bottom of the ocean somewhere? Or do you think that aliens came down and abducted them? Or do you think that one of them went on a murderous rampage? I think that all of these theories are insane and really interesting to think about, and I honestly can't believe that I haven't heard this talked about more. I feel like I say that every episode, but I'm just, I'm a little tired of everyone I see just talking about Bundy when there's stuff like this shit happening. And now listen, that's not to say that someday I'm not going to cover Bundy. I'm just saying. We like finding some stories that haven't been told as much on this podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure that you follow me and hit that notification bell so that you're told whenever I post a new episode every Monday and Thursday. And don't forget to follow me on TikTok and Instagram. On TikTok, I do short little synopsises of these episodes. And on Instagram, you get a lot more of my behind the scenes, things like my hairstyles, random photos of the set, things like that. Sometimes you get my cat thrown in there too, which is always a joy. I also just think that I've realized I've never talked about my cat officially which is crazy because he's the mascot of this podcast well i think we'll have to save that for next episode so if you want to meet my cat make sure you come back as always my name is audie and this has been audie's oddities so everything's going good really that's my cat i don't know if you hear him But he just shoved his little paws into something plastic. And if I hear it back on this, I'm putting this in the bloopers.